Welcome to Christchurch Liverpool. My name's Lindsay. I'm a staff member at Christchurch Liverpool and I'll be leading us through the service today. With lockdown mark two, we are welcoming everybody online today. So a huge welcome to you if you're a visitor at Christchurch or if you've been coming just for a few weeks. It's great that you're still with us. It's lovely to have you. But also if you're a regular or a member of Christchurch, a very warm welcome to you too. To the children, a big hello. And there is something special for you to do. If you just click the link below, then there'll be plenty for you to be getting involved with. Well, whilst it's a shame that we can't meet in person during this lockdown month, it's still great that we can all be together, even online now. So please do drop us a line in the chat just to the side and say hello. We've got a team of welcomers who would be delighted to say hello back and to welcome you to our time today. We're studying in the book of Daniel at the moment in church. It was a mad world that Daniel lived in. Daniel, other, Daniel and others had been taken into exile, into Babylon, and were living under a despotic regime. But Daniel and his friends lived distinctively differently. They lived intentionally and prayerfully as followers of God. And God made huge changes for the better through Daniel and his friends' faithfulness. There was hope and God was in control even in what seemed like a mad world. Our world might seem a little mad, a bit like Daniel's. <laughs> but it's great to know that God is in control in these uncertain days. And of course we have Jesus not only our example, but our saviour. So it's wonderful to be together today because as Christ Church, we meet together to meet Jesus Christ, love his church and connect with Liverpool. So let's read today from the book of Daniel. We're going to read initially in Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 to 10. I'll read verse 9 and we can all read verse 10 together in just a little moment. In Daniel chapter 7, Daniel's had a vision of four great beasts, terrible regimes. But then he says in verse 9, As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was as white as snow, the hair of his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Let's pray together. Lord our God, ancient of days, we thank you that despite the fact that there are often bad or terrible regimes in this world, 
causing suffering to people, that you are in control and that you are the great and good and righteous God who will bring justice to our broken world. With living in a world often governed by evil people and filled with those who have suffered in their wake, we thank you and worship you as our good God who will not leave this world to its own evil devices. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, that everything that has been made is made to show your glory. And so we pray today as we look at, look at your word, you would form us and shape us so that we give you the glory you deserve. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're a regular watcher of our channel, you may not have been expecting to see me at this point. Um, that's because we're doing something slightly different today. So I'm going to, I'm going to open up the Bible to us today, but I'm going to talk for a bit. Then we're going to have a reading from the Bible. Then I'm going to talk a bit more. So uh, I hope that uh, suits you all right. Um, it will be helpful to you now to grab a Bible if there's one near you or look at Daniel chapter 8 up on your phone. Um, you may need to give something to your kids to entertain them. Later on in the service today, there'll be something that kids might particularly enjoy. So um, don't send them away. Hopefully there'll be something they can join in with later on in the service. Um, but I'm going to talk a bit first before uh, we read the Bible together. And I want to start by asking you about what you think you would have thought. What do you think you would have thought if a year ago, last November, you'd have seen this picture of central London? If I could have shown you that last November and said, less than a year from now, this is what it's going to be like, central London, in the middle of the day. I think you'd back then have been terrified, probably, intimidated, confused, worried about what is going to happen. That means that's going to be the case. And now we know you'd have been right to be worried. Because <laughs> this year, since last November, a lot has happened that's been pretty grim. Even if you're a Christian watching this today, and you know and believe all the stuff that we talk about, that God's in charge and he runs the world to do good plans, I still think you would have been scared and intimidated if I'd been able to tell you a year ago that all the major democratic powers of the world would be brought to their knees by a virus. That over the year following, they wouldn't be able to think of a better policy option except crashing the global economy and locking us all in our houses. Well, if you had been able to know that last November, you would have felt like Daniel feels in chapter 8 that we're looking at today, when he gets a vision from God of the future. Now, a couple of things to remember, in case you haven't been with us or in case you've forgotten over the last few weeks, a couple of things to remember about this bit of Daniel before I describe Daniel's vision to you. 
The first six chapters of the book of Daniel tell a story really of how Daniel and his friends have had to live under pressure. They've been captured and dragged away to a land that isn't their own where everybody rejects their God. And Daniel 1 to 6, they are there as models for us of how you deal with it, living in a world where everybody is against the God that you believe in. You get involved, which might not be what you'd expect. You don't withdraw, you get involved in a very godless society and seek to bring blessing even to evil people. And you accept that that comes with the cost of people victimising and hating and threatening you. You will carry the weight of others doing wrong, but you will point people to the real God. We talked about how that's like the front line. It's the experience of people just trying to live in a world that doesn't know God. That's chapters one to six. Chapter seven onwards of Daniel changes perspective. We start to get visions of the world from God's point of view. We get the spiritual battle that Daniel and his friends are living out by obeying God under pressure, but we get it from God's perspective. And what we see is that the kingdoms of the world that hate God, from God's point of view, they're like wild, mutated animals. God sees very clearly what's hidden from us, really, which is that the more power people get, the more they behave like animals eating and devouring and crushing other people and the less they behave like humans serving and loving others. And in the picture we see from God's point of view, the kingdoms have been seen as animals with horns. Horns seem to represent individual kings that rule at particular times. So that's the situation room view, the control room view, God's view of the world that the kingdoms are like animals and the horns are kings. Okay, now we've got that uh, background, let's dive into Daniel chapter 8. I'm going to describe the first part of the chapter to you. And when Daniel comes to, to receive this vision, he's in Susa beside the Ulai Canal. Susa is the military capital, the army base of the country that he's in. And the canal is the main economic route. Now remember the Babylonian Empire, he's been pulled in to serve. It is the military superpower and the economic powerhouse of the world. So it's like he comes to beside the Pentagon looking at Dulles Airport or in the middle of Shanghai looking at the docks and all the uh, uh, cargo coming and going. Or even a few hundred years ago, coming to in Liverpool, the second city of the British Empire, and being able to see the docks and everything coming and going uh, out of there as the empire's economy goes through Liverpool. So as he stands there in that important place, he sees across the canal a ram. Remember, animals represent kingdoms. It's a really creepy picture, actually. He's standing there and across sees this huge ram creepy and threatening and that ram runs around in every direction and nothing can stop it and the message there is this there's a kingdom coming that will trample over babylon and replace it even over the military and economic superpower that is babylon well then out of the west comes another animal a huge goat with one huge horn sticking out of its head. Remember, 
horns represent kings. So this is another kingdom with a very powerful king. And he crushes the ram, the ram that conquered everybody else. He crushes easily and brings him down. Then at the height of his power, the goat has that horn broken off. And out of that kingdom will grow another horn, another king, that will start very small and grow powerful. And this is where Daniel's vision begins to get very disturbing. Because this new king will throw down the host of heaven. This new king will attack the place where people worship the real God, Israel's God. The truth will be thrown to the ground and trampled on. There'll be no access to the truth anymore. And even though that kingdom is evil, it will prosper. Now, given that's such a shocking thing to happen, two angels who are watching the uh, vision with Daniel have a chat with one another and say to each other, how long will it last for that this kingdom is allowed to rule and destroy God's temple and, and stop people worshipping God there? And the answer comes, 2,300 days. Well, in a second, Daniel's going to ask for an explanation of all of that. Much is explained to him, some of it is not. And that's the reading we're going to have in just a minute. But even before he gets the explanation, knowing what we know about what different things mean, there's still something we can understand, even without the explanation, isn't there? He's actually learning something in advance that we've been walking through learning this year in our history. And it's this. No matter how stable something looks, no matter how much we depend on a government or a system for normal life, it is very easily destroyed and trampled over. It's likely to be a weak, trampleable upon system because people make bad choices, selfish choices, which mean we treat others badly. But the systems people form, powerful people, well, power is like a drug. And that means the systems people form trample over whatever is there to get what they want. Daniel stands, and where he's standing looks like it can't be attacked. But he sees one animal kingdom trample over what he thinks is strong and stable, and then another and neither have any respect for the real God, they're still going to trample all over the world. God knows that. He wants us to know that. By now, we should know it. We don't need a dream to explain that to us. We could not have believed a year ago how much that seemed stable, actually, as it turns out, is not stable at all. But there's a difference between knowing that, which we now do know, and applying it. You see, God is showing Daniel this so that he can stand against the rulers of the world when he needs to. He gets this vision in the first year of a king called Belshazzar. In chapter 5 we read, Belshazzar comes to Daniel and says, I will give you a kingdom's wealth if you can explain my dream to me. And Daniel says, you can keep your gold in your robes. And what am I going to explain to you? Well, it's this. God is going to judge you. 
for being so disrespectful to him. It's like, how is Daniel able to do that? When we were talking about that in our connect group, we were talking about how he has so much nerve to take Belshazzar on, speaking up against the weight of this very powerful kingdom that could have had him killed, that had no respect for his beliefs. We know he doesn't get killed because we know the end of the story, but he didn't know that. How did Daniel have the nerve to behave that way? Well, it's because he'd seen this vision that even the military and commercial capital of this seemingly unconquerable kingdom would be trampled all over. And then the kingdom that trampled this would also be trampled over. What looks permanent is not. And we need to know that about these strong, permanent-looking things if we're going to obey God instead of submitting to them. A few years ago, I was having a chat to a professional person about their work and their workplace. And I, just making conversation, I wasn't trying to pressure them, sort of said, what's it like to talk about your faith in your workplace? They said, oh, no, no, that's, that's not allowed in my work. My work would be very disproved of, not allowed at all. There's a policy against it. Not only that, but the boss doesn't like us talking about my faith. In fact, now that I've realised, you've made me think about that, do you think I should leave my workplace and go somewhere where you are allowed to talk about your faith? No. No, you should not. You should, like Daniel, work to bring every possible blessing to that godless workplace and your anti-Christian boss. But also, you need to accept the moment's going to come when you are going to speak up for what God says, even though it is not allowed that you are going to invite a friend from work to something. You are going to offer hope to a dying person who needs it. And why will you do that even though it's not allowed? Because you'll remember, this structure ruling you is an animal kingdom you've seen behind the curtain to reality. It's run by people who are behaving in a less than human way and you aren't going to respect that more than what God says. In fact, given the human-built systems tend to just chew people up and spit them out, trample all over them, it's not some act of terrible rebellion to face up against the system that says you can't do that. That is a way of being a blessing. If you obey God, who wants us to be truly human, more than you obey the man-made rule, which is all just about the exercise of power over people. Here's a problem I've got at the moment with not really seeing anybody in church that I don't know. I don't know for you watching this what social rule or man-made law or workplace policy you're following instead of pouring out blessing to evil people. Well, you're saying, oh, I'm not really allowed to do that here, so I won't bring blessing by acting or speaking in a certain way. I want to encourage you to look behind the curtain. I don't know what the specifics are, but this view today is to help you look behind the curtain of what's apparently not allowed. None of those systems are secure. They won't last forever. All of them come about because fallen humans are struggling for power. That's what is there in front of you. It would be much better like Daniel to honour God 
and do what he says. We've experienced in the last year that those things that claim rule over us because they say they can save us, they're much less stable than they seem. So the wise thing to do, the right thing to do, is always to bring blessing to evil people and always speak up the truth about God, even if the animal system doesn't want that. That's what we learn even before Daniel's explanation. But Daniel wants an explanation of this vision and that's the reading from the Bible we're going to have now. So if you've put your Bible down or switched it off, pick it up, Daniel chapter 8. We're going to start reading at verse 15 and we're going to have Rebecca read that to us now. Today's reading is from Daniel chapter 8 verses 15 to 27. While I, Daniel, was watching the vision and trying to understand it, there before me stood one who looked like a man. And I heard a man's voice from the Eli calling, Gabriel, tell this man the meaning of the vision. As he came near the place where I was standing, I was terrified and fell prostrate. Son of man, he said to me, understand that the vision concerns the time of the end. While he was speaking to me, I was in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. Then he touched me and raised me to my feet. He said, I am going to tell you what will happen later in the time of wrath because the vision concerns the appointed time of the end. The two horned ram that you saw represents the kings of Media and Persia. The shaggy goat is the king of Greece and the large horn between its eyes is the first king. The four horns that replace the one that was broken off represent four kingdoms that will emerge from his nation but will not have the same power. In the latter part of their reign, when rebels have become completely wicked, a fierce looking king, a master of intrigue will arise. He will become very strong, but not by his own power. He will cause astounding devastation and will succeed in whatever he does. He will destroy the mighty warriors, the holy people. He will cause deceit to prosper and he will consider himself superior. When they feel secure, he will destroy many and take his stand against the prince of princes. Yet he will be destroyed, but not by human power. The vision of the evenings and mornings that you have that has been given you is true, but seal up the vision, for it concerns the distant future. I, Daniel, was worn out. I lay exhausted for several days. Then I got up and went about the king's business. I was appalled by the vision. It was beyond understanding. Well, thank you, Rebecca, for reading that to us. I wonder, did you have, ever have the explanation at school uh, the uh, situation at school where you put up your hand and said I don't really understand that and the teacher said okay well let me explain it to you and then it was explained to you and you thought no uh, that was even worse understand it even less but you feel like you have to nod and say thanks for explaining it to me kind of the experience Daniel has had here he says he wanted to understand the vision at the start of the passage but did you notice by the end he says he was worn out exhausted he felt sick um, and he was appalled by the vision and it was beyond understanding. So uh, I think what we're getting from that is that as we look at the world from God's point of view, we are doing our best 
to uh, grasp a world that's not really fully ours to understand. Nevertheless, there's still stuff we can learn. And here's the first thing in this part of the talk I think we learn. We can be terrified but comforted by the truth. We've talked about how disturbing it would have been for us to see the future this time last year, to see the wheels coming off the world as we knew it. We would have known as a Christian that wasn't beyond God's control, but it still would have been scary. Well, here's that's Daniel's experience. He's seen fighting kingdoms cause this huge mess of destruction across the whole world that he knows, across the, the canal, beside the canal where he's standing, this huge economic route, God's voice is heard. Now remember, none of the people slugging it out for controlling the, <clears throat> the world uh, really respect God at all. But the truth is that God is always there. Particularly, God is always there by his word, even as the people in the world destroy each other. God's voice rings over this powerful city and the chaos that the warring kingdoms are causing. And right there in the midst of it is God's right-hand person, if you can call an angel a person, the angel Gabriel, who we'll be talking about a lot in a month or so's time, because he's the same angel who centuries later would put God's plan into action by coming to talk to people called Zechariah and Mary. They were also terrified of him as it happens. The angel comes so close to Daniel that he's terrified and falls down to the floor. And then the angel tries speaking to him to explain things. And I love them. It's like the angel's like, oh, Daniel, let me explain it to you and talk to you. That'll be all right. But that's so terrifying, he faints into a deep sleep. It is a series of terrifying events. It's terrifying to see what's going to happen in the world, the chaos that's coming. And we think it would be like, oh, there, there, don't worry, God's in charge. No, coming face to face with God's spiritual rule of the world behind the scenes is also terrifying. And trying to have it explained to you is so scary, it makes him faint. An angel talking to me is not helping me feel better, Lord. But look at what happens next. I love this. As Daniel faints with the fear of what's going on in the world and knowing God's holiness behind it all, the angel reaches down, touches him and picks him up, raises him to his feet. It's very similar, actually, to another part of the Bible in the New Testament where the Apostle John meets the risen, glorious Jesus and he's terrified. But the risen glorious Jesus wants to pick John up and raise him up and give him a job to do. Maybe you know how Daniel feels. Maybe you get intellectually what I've been saying today, that it is part of God's plan for the world, that all the things we rely on for stability to come and go. I say to you, and the Bible says it, listen, God is going to allow selfish animal-like people to trample over stuff we think is really important. And then I say, but hey, the answer to that is, don't worry, God's got a cosmic eternal plan that means we can stand for what is right. And actually what you think about that is, that's even more overwhelming that I have to play some part in this. I'm just me. I can't join in any cosmic spiritual plan. I can't take on the terrifying system. 
It's too much. Both the situation and knowing God's in charge of it, both truths are terrifying. I just want to ignore it and curl up in a ball and lie on the floor. I feel sick and I want to faint. The facts are alarming to normal people like me and you. What's going on at the more in the world at the moment is terrifying. And the fact that there is a burningly holy God at work in the world, bringing down arrogant kingdoms, the fact that he reveals to us that all the things we think are stable and normal are in fact pretty wicked and against God, well, thanks for the insight, God, but it's all still pretty overwhelming. I want to curl up in a ball. But I want to assure you today that when God's holy presence comes close, when this terrifying angelic being walks towards Daniel, one of God's people, it is to touch his shoulder and lift him up. I think that is the word for some people watching this today. I think a lot of us, a lot of the way I feel and the way I talk to a lot of people at the moment is I just feel overwhelmed with all the change that's going on in the world. And you saying, well, God's got a cosmic plan that you're part of, that's just overwhelming too. And I want you to know like Gabriel in Daniel, like Jesus himself in the book of Revelation to the Apostle John, he is bending all of his spiritual power towards helping you, towards lifting you up so you can do what needs to be done to obey him. The idea of all this terrifying bigness of what's crumbling around us, when we come close to the eternal, burning, glorious God who rules over all of this mess, he never tells us off. He's never trying to frighten us, even though he is huge. All of his spiritual power is there to come close to us, to pick us up, to help us face what it is we need to do. You know, at the end of this vision, Daniel went about the king's business. Oh, he felt sick for days, but he was able to get on with his job. And maybe that's the truth you need to hear today about our world, that God by his spirit is behind it all, working it all out for good, but he's with us, not crushing, burning, pushing us. But if we know Jesus, he's with us, strengthening us to do whatever our small part is in this huge, unfolding, terrifying plan. Maybe that's the thing you need to reflect on today. There's some part you have in standing up for what's right in this week to come, speaking up in a particular place, working together with others to bring Jesus to somewhere, doing something, and it's overwhelming, it's terrifying. And a series of poor, selfish rulers make your life harder. God's close to you, and he's not close to you to terrify you. He's not saying I'm bigger and more glorious than all the rulers of the world so you can feel smaller. He comes close to people to gently touch and lift us up. All of his spiritual power is bent towards Christians to enable them to face and do what he needs them to do.
We're terrified but comforted. Here's the next thing we see. We don't have misplaced faith. When Daniel has regained his composure, the angel explains what's going on to him. The ram represents the empire of the Medes and the Persians, which is coming next. The goat represents the Greek empire. And the horn that grows up represents, therefore, a Greek king who's very bold and actually wants to persecute people who belong to God. He's deceitful and cunning, and he will, in the end, set himself up as God to be worshipped against God himself. But God will bring him down. Well, that happens. The Medes and the Persian Empire conquer the Babylonian Empire within the book of Daniel. But after Daniel finishes, later on in history, that empire is crushed by Greece under a king called Alexander the Great. Well, within the Greek Empire, there is jostling for power after Alexander died. And in the end, this terrible king called Antiochus Epiphanes persecuted the Jewish people, destroyed the temple and insisted his own God. And in fact, he himself should be worshipped there. Now, remember... Daniel's great hope while he was away from home in Babylon is that the temple will be rebuilt. And God's basically saying, well, it will be. But after Babylon, more kingdoms will arise that hate God and want his power. And that temple, that is your great white hope, is going to end up knocked on with no sacrifices for years and end. Now, maybe you've got some interest in ancient history, so this is something you're interested in. But you may be wondering what this very specific vision has to do with us, seeing as it was in the future for Daniel, but it's already happened at our point in time. Well, I'll tell you what it has to do with us. All of this is saying to Daniel, don't feel too at home in Babylon. You know, Daniel knew he was one of God's people, but he'd been 50 years working for the Babylonian kings by this stage. God's saying... Don't plant your hope in Babylon, Daniel, because that's going to be destroyed by another animal kingdom. And then another animal kingdom will come, and unsurprisingly, as these kingdoms love their own power, they will not honour God. The more powerful they are, the more they'll hate God and his people. And it's strange, isn't it, Daniel should feel appalled and sick by that, because we think, well, it was a godless kingdom, Daniel, you should be happy it's destroyed. But of course... We're not enjoying the destruction of the godless kingdom we rely on for stability. Babylon was godless, but it was his, it was what he knew. And God is saying, nevertheless, Daniel, don't put your hope in Babylon or Persia or Greece. Godless kingdoms always want their own power. They always end up hating God. Now, obviously the kingdom of the fourth horn is worse than that of the ram. But they're all animals. They're all destroying others to get power for themselves. And Daniel would make a big mistake to put his hope in any of them. And Christians would make a big mistake if they put hope in any leader or government to save them. We have this played out for us in current affairs at the moment. I saw one American Christian this week tweet that voting in Joe Biden is like a national exorcism, a removal of a demon. Well, there's only one person who can exorcise people and it's not Joe Biden. And you may well think that Biden is better than Trump, 
But I promise you, as sure as anything, his administration will become more animalistic, less human, the more power it gets. Joe Biden will do a lot of stuff against God's law. That's normal. We should expect it. Similarly, there's lots of footage of people who desperately want the result to be overturned and Donald Trump to stay president, praying outside of polling stations because Trump is God's person. Well, you may well think Trump is better than Biden, but it's also clear from the last four years that he is a self-obsessed narcissist who is using Christians to get votes. We don't put our hope in human kingdoms. Either one. We don't relax when our person is in office. We don't vote to get someone who will put our interests first. We accept what this vision shows, that because people rebel against God, history is simply the story of sinful humans making systems that behave like animals, crushing, eating, pushing others out of the way. We do not think our person will make things better for us. Of course we don't. And I'll tell you why we don't think that. Because if we begin to think that about any political system or leader, we will not do the thing we're supposed to do. That Daniel models so well of speaking the truth to powerful people. If our hope is in that person, keeping things right for us, we're never going to call that person to humble themselves to turn to God because that will disadvantage us. We won't do it. If Daniel thinks the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians is better than the Babylonian kingdom, will he point out to the next king that he needs to humble himself before the real God? Of course he won't. We've actually seen that. Donald Trump's inner circle, Christians who've hitched their wagon to Donald Trump to get what we want, they don't seem able to tell him the truth about himself and his arrogance. If you tell everyone to thank God that he's elected, it's hard to say, actually everyone, though, he's not a model to follow. Similarly, if you are dancing in the streets about Joe Biden being elected, well, you'll be tempted to overlook and not challenge what he's likely to have as pretty poor policies on, say, the ethics of the start of life. People who feel they should say uh, to, people will not feel they can say, the people who surround Joe Biden will not feel they can say, you personally need to repent and put your trust in Jesus if they think he's advancing our interests. We don't want to upset him. We view all governments as animalistic, as against God, and so they need Christians to bless and speak. Now, of course, some rulers are worse than others. I don't expect the British government to respect God, to reflect what he thinks is important, but I'm perfectly clear it is absolutely nothing like living in North Korea where Christians are enslaved and crushed and tortured. But any reliance on leaders, hope in leaders, is going to stop me speaking the truth to power. And my job is to do that, whatever the person in power is. It may not be you're in, not into politics, that's fine. I think a lot of people work under terrible bosses and they think, if I get a better boss or move to a different job, everything will be okay. And you might move to a different job where everything feels better and so your hope is in, wow, this is so much better for me. 
But then you will forget to think, this also is a godless power structure that needs me to speak truth to it. You know, pharmaceutical companies are going to come to our rescue from coronavirus with a vaccine. Praise God for them. But we're going to find out in this process that they're also full of immoral, self-seeking people. We need to pray for Christians to be there to say and do what's right, even if it costs them. Christians do not think everything will be better when we have a better person in charge. Or Christians don't think we can't let this person get out of power because they're looking after my Christian interests. We know all rulers are only kingdoms that behave like animals that we speak truth to. Now, some Christians realising that have counselled for withdrawal from the real world. But do you see Daniel does the right, in fact, opposite of that? The fact that people behave like animals when they have power means Christians mustn't withdraw. All the more we need the people of God there in the centre of it, doing good, speaking up, challenging evil, pushing for what's right. But not because this person is our person who gets us. As soon as I begin to think that about them, I won't be able to speak the truth to them. You know, someone told me um, recently that there is someone at the heart of our government at the moment who is a Christian. In fact, they told me they voted for that party because they believed that about that person. So by putting that out there, that person got some votes. They said to me earlier this year, because that person is there, the government won't close churches again. Of course, they did. My friend who voted for them for that reason immediately began to excuse that and said, oh, well, you know, they must have their good reasons. We can't criticise the government for doing that because I know there's a Christian in there. But no, it is our job to accept that all systems are broken and we speak truth to power to take the prophetic stance and to pray for that person if they are a believer to take the prophetic stance. We assume that powerful people behave like animals and we don't put our hope in them. Whether it's the moderately friendly Persian Empire or the hating God Greek Empire, our hope is in God's kingdom. We honour God, we do good and we speak the truth and that's what we pray for Christians who have more access to power than us. Remember Daniel, he's standing in the middle of the most secure place in a bad empire, but one he knows. And God says, listen, another one's coming, and another one after that, and another worse one after that. Daniel, each one is going to demand God's people submit to it. Each one is going to say, throw down what matters to you most. But this vision is here so that we never buy the PR. We are in the middle of it, absolutely, but speaking God's truth and doing God's good. That's why God shows us nothing is that strong. We live to please and honour and do what is right before God, not before anything else, no matter how good it looks. We do not live to honour social services, to honour the NHS, to honour a particular charity, to honour a particular view of society. That would be a mistake. We always work for the blessing of doing good to things that are evil. But our hope 
is always outside, so we can speak truth to people with power, which is what Daniel goes straight on to do after he sees this vision. Well, here's the last thing we see. We don't understand, but we understand enough. You know, when Daniel, when the angel is finished, Daniel felt sick, he went about his work, he was appalled, and he didn't understand. When we were discussing this as a staff team, someone said, why didn't he get an explanation he could understand? Well, everything about how and why God does things is not ours to understand. There's a figure, 2,300 days in this passage. No one knows why it's that figure. Everyone's got a theory that you read, but no one knows. There's lots he doesn't understand, but he got enough to wake him up to the reality of the world and the people who have power in the world. He got enough that he could get on with the work he had to do. Now listen, the things I don't understand greatly outnumber the things I do understand. I do not understand why this is happening to us now. I don't understand how everybody will be able to cope with this. I don't know when I will be able to hug my parents again. I don't know those answers. And to be honest, if I had my eyes open to everything God was doing in the world, it would be beyond me. I'd just feel sick and terrified. But I know enough to get on with what God has for me to do. I know enough to say, listen, I'm not going to obey any human ruler, any animal kingdom over and above obeying God. I know enough to say, no human leader is the hope of the world. I'm going to work for the kingdom that lasts forever and try and bring people into that kingdom. I know enough about Jesus as well to know this, that the world is terrifying, that God's holiness is terrifying, but when he comes close to us in Jesus, he picks us up, faces us forward, and gives us what we need to do, whatever it is we've got to do. I know that. I understand that. There's only one person who rules forever. Only one human being who is stronger than every human kingdom. And I know he's also kind. He's also gentle. He also helps. So as the, the curtain is drawn back, the mess of the world and that people make of it is exposed. I go to him, the one who has the eternal kingdom, but is also kind. And when I go to him, I find I understand enough to do good where I can and speak truth, even in the most wicked places. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, so much that you draw back the curtain for us to see what we need to see. Please, as we feel overwhelmed, pick us up, face us forward, help us hope only in the eternal kingdom and not in the kingdoms that are passing, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're going to learn a new song now that our musicians have been working hard in putting together. And it's really for the whole church family. So if your kids have run away out of the room or they are just playing with their leg or whatever, gather round because we're going to learn the signing to this great song um, over the next few weeks so that when we get back together, when we probably still won't be allowed to sing, there's another song we can learn uh, in sign language to worship God together in that language. Now, uh, there's lots of signs in this you'll have to follow. Sarah's going to sign along with us. 
but there's two that I've learned that you should be able to join in with today if I teach them to you. Strong and kind. Ooh, touch my microphone there. Kind. Strong and kind. And uh, the song we're going to learn over the next few weeks is what we need to know about Jesus to live for him in a mad world, that he's strong and kind. Let's sing together.
We're going to have a time of prayer now. When I say the words, Lord, in your mercy, you can respond with, hear our prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray for the church around the world at this time. We pray that your people, aware that kingdoms of this world are weak and faltering, will stand out distinctively to point people to your way, the way of real and eternal hope. Lord, we pray in particular for America at this time, a land where once so many worshipped you. We pray that your people who call on you will stand out and stand up distinctively and respectfully different and point the way to the way, your way, the better way, the only way of real and eternal hope. And we pray their leaders will be humbled to worship you. Lord, we pray for your people in regions of the world where it is really hard to be a Christian. Strengthen them in the power of your spirit. Lord, protect your people. Lord, even in our own church, we have people who would be persecuted for following you in their own lands. Lord, help your people, perhaps even imprisoned for their faith, for speaking up, to find their joy in you and to not live cowed in fear of passing regimes whose leaders come and go. But give them a song in their heart, knowing and feeling your love in Jesus that sets them free. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for those who don't know you, for so many who are victims of harsh, godless regimes whose lives have been torn apart by selfish dictators or systems and who are living in hopelessness. We pray thinking of those living in North Korea and Syria and so many other lands with oppression and fear. Lord, we pray you will have mercy on them. We pray that your people will point to a better way and bring hope. And we pray for their harsh leaders, that you will bring them down like you did Nebuchadnezzar, to humble them, that they might call upon you and worship you and give relief to their people's suffering. But where they remain stubborn, bring those who will point to hope despite all this. Lord, we pray for people in the West living in systems nowhere near as harsh, yet systems which can offer salvation. People often anaesthetised to their need. Lord, raise up Christians in their workplaces and families and neighbourhoods, Christian friends who will live distinctively different and respectfully and show them hope that their systems and lives do not have. Lord, it is a beautiful thing when someone tells the good news of Jesus to others who cannot call on you because they haven't heard. Lord, we pray your people will believe and take confidence in you as the mighty God and ruler forever and speak confidently 
and well into their situations. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Lord, we pray for ourselves. Help us not to put too much store on governments or systems or to put too much store on other things that distract us to give us relief. But help us, like Daniel, to work to bring every possible blessing to our godless workplaces and situations, neighbours, families, friends, and to speak your ways into our godless systems. For those keen to help with the Pregnancy Crisis Centre, embolden them. For those working in community programmes to bring light and hope, may they remember and be like Daniel. Give us all wisdom to be like Daniel where we are. And we pray for people feeling overwhelmed, that they will be wise to remember that you are for us. And you have proven this in sending Jesus to take the burden and guilt of our wrongdoing that we might have freedom and forgiveness in its place through faith in him. Thank you, our Father, for your indescribably wonderful grace, bringing light into our selfish world. Help each one listening today to daily remember that wonderful grace, that wonderful forgiveness, that freedom, and so be emboldened to live distinctively for you and so for other people. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all now say the Lord's Prayer together, which will come up on your screens. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We're going to have a time now where we can all pray at home. You can pray with your household or alone or why not call a friend and pray with them. Please feel welcome to put any prayer requests in the chat section at the side. As staff, we also pray through these in the week. But please be careful with what you say and be discreet as it is a public forum. Let's pray now.
can draw your prayers to a close. Let's pray together. Lord, our good God, thank you for the hope we have in Jesus. Help us to live like Daniel, distinctively in our situations, taking confidence since you are the great and good ruler over all. We bring before you all our prayers. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen. Let's now sing of the peace that we have in Jesus, knowing that because of him, for those who trust him, it is well with our soul.
together. Lord, we thank you for all we have learned from your word today. We thank you that your word is so full of hope, despite the darkness of the world and the selfishness of rulers and systems. Help us to remember that you are bigger and more glorious than any of the powerful systems around about us. Lord, help us reflect on how we might stand up for you, and for good this week and in unexpected difficulties. May we not be phased, but choose in those moments to stand for right and truth in love and honour you. We thank you for the confidence that you have given because of Jesus. And we pray all these things in his name and for his glory. Amen. Well, that brings us almost to the end of our service today. We hope that you've been really encouraged from God's word. We'll be meeting together for coffee very shortly, and everybody's welcome to join that, particularly if you're new to the church. We'd love you to come along uh, and meet some of us from church. It would be great to get to know you there. If you've got any questions about anything that you have heard today, please get in touch with us. In the talk, Morris asked, are you at peace with God through Jesus? People in our church 
There are people there who hadn't known God's peace, but who have come to delight in this. People from all different social backgrounds, from all different parts of the world, from different religious backgrounds, even atheistic backgrounds as well. People who are now at peace with God through Jesus and now at peace with each other. More our family together. There's nothing like it in the whole world. There's nothing like the message of Jesus that unites people. So if you'd like to know more, again, please get in touch with us or come to Life Explored where you can ask any of your questions. Life Explored is on on Sunday evenings. There are links below both for contacting us and to Life Explored. Please click on them and you can find out more. Finally, because we can't actually see you and give you paper copies of notices, then you can find all our notices on a new website. If you enter www.christchurchliverpool.org, then on the homepage, you'll see a blue square with notices written on it. If you click that blue square, then you'll see all the notices we've got for church. Please do do that because given this whole online world at the moment, that is the main way that we have got of communicating our different notices to you. So please do check that out and see what might be there for you. Well, thank you again for joining us. It's coffee time now. Until we see you again, God bless you.